Sometimes the fun begins when the paved road ends. Chevy Silverado 2500 HD is made to work hard and play hard on the road or off. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for details and experience life in HD. Blackhawk 720. Came to the left circle, pulls up, holds, fires, he scores! Number 400 for Patrick Kane! Take the Blackhawks to go. Blackhawk 720, your insider key to the Hawks. I mean, we got young guys all over our lineup, so if they're not going, we're going to have a tough time. It's time for Blackhawk 720, the only Hawks podcast worth listening to. Now, here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand, podcast royalty. Hey everyone, another week, another Blackhawks 720 podcast as we come at you early as the Blackhawks uh, limp home for what has turned into an even more important homestand. Six in a row, eight of the next nine will be played at the United Center after the Hawks uh, end up falling to uh, one in five on their road trip with a couple of losses to the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Chris Bowden, your pre and post game host with you here on the Blackhawks 720 podcast, joined as always by... Uh, Joe Brand, is it a sleepy Joe Brand after the early morning shift on a Monday, uh, the new shift on a Monday over at uh, WGN? A little tired, a little tired. It was kind of contagious this morning. And now this warm weather is just wiping us out. I know, and what, I'm going to go home and take a nap and (laughs) not take advantage of a 60-degree day? It's kind of like torture over here. (laughs) Right. Uh, We are uh, in the uh, Podcats, Pilsen Podcast pad. (laughs) I think I got that right. Where is the podcast? What did you do to him, Joe? We, Where's, we, we is he banished? Out. Yeah, no, he's not banished. We just locked him out. Again, I, I don't think you can hear him meowing out the door when we listen back to the recording. And when you leave the door slightly open, you can hear a faint hiss for all the, the audio snobs out there like myself. So I think the fans want to hear uh, Plankton, but uh, especially with what we come up with on this podcast, sometimes it's probably a little more intelligent deduction as to what's going on on the ice <laughs> lately. But we do know it was a 1-5 in five road trip, and after splitting those first two games in Dallas, Blackhawks uh, got punched in the mouth a little bit in the two games in uh, Florida, in suburban Miami, and then going to Tampa Bay, and not being able to come out of uh, anything with that either so now it's a uh, six-game homestand which looms even more important because the Blackhawks have now been caught as uh, the the numbers have been uh, really struggling lately not getting those results and uh, you knew uh, if the Blackhawks would leave that door open others would certainly jump up and get it Columbus has found its game a little bit better after really struggling for a while they have caught the Blackhawks, and now you know Nashville and Dallas still with games in hand. Uh, they're bearing down on the Blackhawks as well. This isn't a total surprise. Um, you would hope they would have done better, but um, these are some good teams in their division, as we talked about time and again. And both of those teams at the back end of that road trip are, are seriously on a roll right now between Florida and Tampa Bay. Well, Tampa's a very good team, like you said. I think everyone knows that, and... Uh... It seems like the the general feel with the entire team right now is there's there's some frustration looming, but it just comes from a result aspect. It's not really so much what's being put on the ice, and I know obviously plenty of things can be improved, but they're still pretty much sticking with the structure that made them successful earlier in the year, and right now it's just not clicking as much as it was before, and therefore they're not coming away with these points, so it's not just all sunshine and rainbows anymore, but I, I think this is still a very confident group because of what they were able to accomplish before, but I mean, again, this is a depleted roster. It's a young roster, and they're coming into some really hot, good teams, so it's, again, we were kind of expecting this to happen, uh, yeah, it's a buzzkill, but 
hey, it's tough for a team like the Blackhawks to make it into the postseason. And if they end up doing it, it's going to be you know, even more of a, an overperformance than what they've already accomplished. So, you know, it, they're going through a real rough stretch right now against a batch of really good teams. And now you mentioned it, heading home seems like it's very detrimental to whether or not this team can make the playoffs. Because if you look beyond this homestand, and especially the end of the year, the end <laughs> scheduling for the Blackhawks, it's very, very tough. So right now they got to take advantage of it. And I, I guess we'll not so much see if it's a playoff team or not, but we'll see what this team is really made out of if they can bounce back from a rough stretch, play through some adversity, and get back onto the track you know, of, of special teams and, and cleanliness of going through the neutral zone, which is something they worked on on this Monday. So we'll see how they adjust and how they recover from all that. Yeah, let's uh, kick the can down the road a little bit on on the schedule down the road. Uh, We'll circle back to that, but uh, some of the issues present now. You mentioned the transition game, getting to the neutral zone, and man, uh, Tampa Bay it is tough to do against, and you know we'll find out where they can handle that a little bit better. Seeing Florida for the first time at home this season, having last change, uh, any adjustments or tweaks that they make in terms of that transition game and fighting through the neutral zone. Tampa Bay is at a completely other level than Florida, even though Florida is good at it. Tampa Bay uh, does it uh, even better. So some of these other numbers, losing six of the last seven, eight of the last 11, uh, the Blackhawks have totaled seven points in the last 10 games. And when you leave that door open, those teams behind you can certainly uh, scurry up real quick. The Blackhawks have allowed, in those 10 games, 40 goals. So uh, that's a telltale sign of a team that's struggling hand-in-hand with that, the penalty kill. When you're giving up goals, a lot of that's going to happen on the penalty kill. And over the last 13 games, the Blackhawks have allowed 17 power play goals while the uh, power play itself has gone rather dry. They had that two-for-three performance on Thursday at Tampa Bay. That's t- those turn into their only uh, only goals. Um, actually, they had one goal over the last five periods in Tampa Bay after those two power play goals in the first period on Thursday night. They come back with an 0-for-4 in the game on Saturday, so th- that power play overall has taken a dip. And you throw all those things in the mix – uh, into the old pot roast, so to speak. And uh, that's why this team is now yeah, sitting here clinging to a 14-13-5 and record, uh, still at the 33 points as uh, you know they hit the road uh, two weeks ago, sitting at 31, you come home with just two points, and uh, that's where the Blackhawks are standing right now. And a little bit in terms of some of the focus, uh, we'll hear from a couple of the guys. Jeremy Carlton was asked about it, but also Matthias Yanmark and, and Calvin Nahan, a couple of these veteran players uh, that know what it's like to win or have been on successful teams. The difficulty in this team having uh, struggles moving the puck up and down the ice, particularly uh, lately and at the back end of that road trip, that was, certainly was an area of focus. That practice, this practice on Monday afternoon went only about 30 minutes, 35 minutes. It was fast. Um, you know, it mostly involved two-on-two, three-on-three, and, and ability to move through the neutral zone, and, and that's been one area of focus. And let's hear a little bit from both uh, Matthias Yanmark and Calvin Hahn addressing some of those issues and how the Blackhawks uh, are working on trying to fix that. I think we can be a little bit sharper. I think it was there against Tampa, especially. Uh, a lot of room. Uh, we weren't able to finish it off, whether it was scoring the goal, he made some big saves, or, or we just weren't sharp enough. So I think there's a lot of 
base there if we can if we can attack as soon as we win the puck back i think that's uh, what we want to work on i mean honestly i think we're pretty good at it uh i mean it's like i said before we just have to be a little bit better whether that is setting someone else up with a better pass tape to tape i mean i think the intentions are there and and uh we could be a little bit quicker like i said as soon as we win the puck everybody be ready everybody get open but i think yeah we've been good at that all year and and but but it's for sure there, like I said, against Tampa there, we, we had some opportunities where we maybe could have turned those games around and, and got a win instead. So we're just trying to be sharper. Uh, I mean, we're just trying to practice our quick ups, like, uh, you know, not, not really stick, stick handling and just trying to move the puck forward as quick as possible. Um, you know, even if, uh, you know, the offensive team has a has an extra guy, it's still hard to make a pass at times, um, you know, especially if the four checkers got a good, good position and, um, you know, it, it works on that aspect of the game as well as uh, works on the defensive side. Of- All right. As we hear from Willow's uh, veteran Blackhawks in terms of trying to uh, fix an offense that has been slowed down in transition and hopefully uh, being able to do something again uh, with that on home ice and only having to face Tampa Bay once more this year. Um, we'll see if some home cooking and some tweaks and adjustments can do that as we welcome the podcast back into the studio with us because he was awfully loud there during the first segment wanting to get in on the conversation. Me- yeah, again, me- I, I'm still curious if, if <laughs> that those meows from beyond the door get picked up in here. But, uh, yeah, Mr. Chatterbox is back in. So apparently he can't uh, miss out on anything inside of here. So as this offense now tries to get in sync, uh, just one – five-on-five goal over six periods in Tampa Bay. Um, it's not like they didn't have that opportunity in Tampa either because they had themselves a 80-90 second five-on-three situation trailing 2 nothing in the second period. And those are the ones that are really going to kill you if you don't cash in. If you want to stay in the game, that's when to do it. And, you know, uh, between their difficulties moving the puck over the last uh, few games and uh, the power play, you know, especially one unit not being able to consistently bring it in the zone, and they they gave up a shorthanded goal as well. The Florida that we talked about uh, on our on our last podcast uh, in that second game down there, um, you know that those those are mixes that all add up when you have those things that were clicking so well later in the season, and all of a sudden they're drying up here, Joe. Well, I mean, keep in mind when the Blackhawks played Tampa Bay a few weeks ago and they came home for that three-game series at the United Center, the Blackhawks were playing at the top of their game for the most part of that series, and they still came up short for the majority. I know they took three out of three games, or three points out of three games, but I mean, Tampa is is a very tough team, so when you're not playing at the top of your game and you're not taking advantage of those opportunities that are just handed to you, it's going to be even a a taller mountain to climb. So we've seen how a lack of a power play can just be so contagiously bad for the Blackhawks when they're having trouble figuring out uh, the perfect way to score when having a man advantage. And it just, it it, kind of like snowballs, it has the snowball effect where it becomes tougher and tougher. But again, I, I think it just comes down to... They they said it a lot today, or what did Matthias Janmark use? We could be cleaner, you know, mm-hmm. com, coming out of the neutral zone and it's, crisp and clean. Yeah, it's it's those well, it's like little, a toothpaste. <laughs> it's those it's those little things that that they're missing out on right now, which is coming up in two or three goal games, and you have to have that for a good team like Tampa Bay. I think the other thing is rebound control with both Kevin Lankinen and Malcolm Subban. I think that's a big reason why they've uh, you know coughed up more goals than they've recently have. So. Um, 
again, it's it's all these things that aren't working now that were working before, and they're going to have to bounce back from it. I mean, again, it's a very good team. So if you're not playing at the top of your game, which that's what they needed to be at just to get three points out of three games the last time they faced, it's going to be very tough. But, um, you know, again, if they're if they're able to bounce back from all of this with getting back to how they normally were playing, then it, then it shows that it wasn't just a fluke what was going on earlier. The structure works. The, the buy-in process for all these younger guys and the veterans works. It's just, just not hitting it right now. Now you get to find out about uh, the resiliency of youth in terms of uh, what their attitude is, not getting too beaten down by this. But again, it's, it's not going to be any walk in the park in, on this, on this homestand here. Uh, two against Florida Tuesday and Thursday, back-to-backs against Nashville. And let me just say one thing. You, you know, the, the Preds, for the most part, have been an underachieving team this year, at least with what they have on paper. Um, but the Blackhawks have always seemed to struggle in the last handful of years against uh, Nashville uh, putting up offensive numbers. Most of these games, if you look at them, the Blackhawks have been held to two or three goals. There was one game early last season when I think they, they beat them 7-1 to one or 7-3 to three or something uh, down in Nashville after... It was just a couple of weeks after Pecorine said, you know, it was perhaps the easiest shutout of his career when they beat them in the first meeting. Then the Hawks hammered them, but after that, and still now carrying into this year, the first two meetings they've they've faced them uh, faced them just twice. These have been low scoring games. The Blackhawks have been ha- having difficulty finding ways to score against the Preds. Now they're going through some injury issues as well, but. Uh, don't look that as a particularly easy opening with the back-to-back Saturday and Sunday. And then, of course, you get Carolina coming in here to wrap up uh, the six-game homestand. One other thing I wanted to bring up, too, a lot was made um, coming out of the Connor Murphy hit on Eric Chernak in the third game here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Tampa Bay obviously had a bone to pick, and they were going after Murphy in the first game on Thursday. Uh, less than a minute in, the Barkley Goodrow penalty going after him, and the Blackhawks were able to burn them on the power play and, and make them pay for that unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Um, you know, it, it was great to see Alex DeBrinket knock Pat Maroon on his backside, and then Maroon coming after uh, DeBrinket, drawing himself a penalty there. Um, but then there was some chippiness involved uh, as as the second game went on, whether it was uh, Yanni Gord and Dabrinkit going after it. Gord also, I think, cracked Patrick Kane in the back, and uh, there was, I think, an incident with Alex Kalorn and, and Adam Boquist as well, and there wasn't a physical response by the Blackhawks. Now, prior to Saturday's game, Jeremy Colleton was asked about, you know, why didn't Connor Murphy decide to answer the bell? Well, one thing that Jeremy brought up and and the point of emphasis that he tried to pass along to his guys, especially his most important players, don't get engaged if it's going to take you out of a game for five minutes or ten minutes or even give you a game misconduct. Uh, That was the attitude he wanted this team to take. Now, on the other hand, he did insert Reese Johnson in the lineup on Saturday. That seemed to be an indicator if, if there was going to be some kind of physical response on the Blackhawks' end, inserting that guy into the lineup. Is, is something you can do. And, and then there are a couple of other guys who certainly have the capability of, you know, if, if they wanted to respond physically to whatever shenanigans Tampa Bay uh, wanted in order to get revenge for the Murphy hit on Chernak. Uh, you know, I'm not to pick on a single guy, but Nikita Zdorov is, is that guy, 6'6", 235, who is supposed to impose his physical presence, whether it is a matter, whether a matter of dropping the gloves or throwing his body around. 
And even though he has over 100 hits on the season, he came into, what was it, uh, Saturday's game, he came into, I didn't end up writing what his, what his hit totals down, but it was well, well over 100 uh, for the season. And, and that's what you expect from Nikita Zadorov. But in the last seven games, he has just nine hits. And uh, if there was ever a time where he could engage himself with some teammates, provided the opportunity presented itself, um, you know, especially when some of the Lightning players were, you know, going to walk that fence, walk that line physically with, with some of the Blackhawks, that's the type of guy, or Reese Johnson, who probably needed to step up. And, you know, uh, I don't think we've seen that, that aspect nearly enough from Nikita Zadorov. Um, you know, he did show an indicator of that early in the road trip when, when you know, Jamie Benn tried to mix things up with him. But, um, you know, uh, not to pick on him solely, but but that's why you bring that guy in here. And uh, I thought that was perhaps a missed opportunity, um, whether Jeremy was, was going to be fine with it or not. Um, that, that That's the guy that you want to challenge the opposition. Okay, you want to challenge us? Then... Nikita Zadorov's the guys you're going, to, you're going to have to challenge, especially when you want Connor Murphy to remain on the ice for all the important roles that he plays for this team. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, that's the guy you bring in. But not only that, it's it's one of the only guys you've got. And it's it's kind of been that way for the Blackhawks for quite some time. I mean, even when they were on those cup runs, there was all this talk about, oh, where are the bruisers? Where are the guys to, to rough up the other team and start a spark when you need it? Uh, for clarification, 103 hits for Nikita Zadorov mm-hmm. um, this season. But a couple of things. I I do appreciate Jeremy Colleton's response to the whole situation. I appreciate Connor Murphy's response to the whole situation. Number one, because it seems like they're all on the same page. I do agree with Jeremy Colleton that, you know, obviously the hit wasn't perfect, but he didn't get suspended, and he was finishing a check. I mean, yeah, we can go down and... And you can argue on both sides of whether or not it was actually a dirty hit or not. But but if Tampa Bay goes and tries to fight Connor Murphy right at the beginning of the game, I get that. But yes, to continue badgering him throughout the entire game, it puts it in a weird spot. And, and of course the Blackhawks aren't going to... Or I can totally see where the Blackhawks are coming from for not wanting to to take that bait because Connor Murphy's definitely a guy you want. This is a team that's struggling right now, so they would like everybody at their full potential if they could possibly have it. So I'm I'm glad Connor Murphy bought into that. I'm glad Jeremy Colleton defended his guy. And the other thing I, I want to know is I, I wonder if Tampa Bay just totally wanted to do that because they know what type of game the Blackhawks can play against them. Again, going back to that three-game series a few weeks ago, um if you can just agitate them a little bit more, if you can get in their heads a little bit more, you're not going to get that that hard run that they had a couple of weeks ago. And I understand that they played, you know, when that Chernak hit, hit had happened, but you know, just just a little bit more, just kind of kick them while they're down. And that that I don't want to say it proved to work, but Tampa Bay came away with total four points. So uh, a lot goes into it. But again, I, I appreciate both Connor Murphy and Jeremy Colleton's response to the whole situation, and I think it's just another example of how everyone's buying into this whole team atmosphere right now. Um, but yes, you would like to see some guys capable of of providing the muscle actually doing that. Yeah, and, and obviously Tampa Bay's... First of all, uh, the league didn't think the hit was dirty because they right. didn't put any more discipline on Connor Murphy. I didn't think it was dirty. It, it just so happened, you know, it, it was a 
like a back or 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 shoulder to chest hit right. and Cernak's head snapped back and and that kind of that kind of uh I'm not to say he wasn't injured or shaken up because he he cer- certainly didn't return to the game but it wasn't an intentional hit on Murphy's part to try and injure or go head hunting and you know again the league didn't say anything I think John Cooper ended up saying I don't know if it was before this series or a couple of days after the Cernak hit hip and that he didn't think it was necessarily a dirty hit, but the players decided to take it upon themselves. And then when Murphy would engage, obviously their philosophy was to go after the Blackhawks' skill guys. And yeah, they suckered Alex Dabrinkit into coincidental cross-checks. It's Tampa Bay that ends up scoring on the 4-4 four and four when you want to bring it on the ice in those situations. And then they took a shot at Kane, and then they took a shot at another skill guy in Adam Boquist. And um, in the end... The Blackhawks didn't respond, and when they have that one more meeting with Tampa, depending on how high the stakes are uh, for the Blackhawks, it'll be interesting to see if that chippiness uh, happens to continue. Um, Let's talk about uh, Matthias Janmark a little bit, because he continues to produce really well, and when he spoke with the media on Monday after practice, he's up to 10 goals on the year, and again, he is another one of those names mentioned, depending on the Blackhawks' fate between now and April 12th that uh, he might be one of these guys that Stan would have to listen to, especially if his if he continues to gain value with his production, what he's able to do on the power play, penalty kill, up to 10 goals on the year. And, you know, this might be a guy that uh, if, if someone wants to come over and offer Stan, you know, as high as a first or second round pick for a team that might need it, whether it's like a New York Islanders that just lost Anders Lee or or some of these other teams that uh, are looking for a lot of veteran experience, uh, Yanmark, I would think, would draw some interest. And then Stan Bowman has to make the decision on uh, how to move forward depending on what kind of offer he is given. But Yanmark has had himself really a solid year. And after practice, you know, he was asked about his fit in the Blackhawks system, his comfort level here, uh, you know, and uh, as well as, you know, not following news very much of the deadline. He's aware that it's coming. He's also aware um, he could be a possibility to be moved, depending on how this team fares over the course of the next couple of weeks before April 12th. And uh, he also touched on this team's attitude as well, holding up uh, fairly well through losing five of six on that road trip. Uh, but here's Matthias Yanmark on the whole deadline situation and his comfort level here in Chicago. I'm pretty used to it. I've been on a one-year deal the last four years, I think. So I, I'm trying not to think too much about it. Uh, it's, you're always aware that deadline is coming up, but there's it's out of your control. So uh, you just play on, and, and I signed a one-year deal to, to kind of uh, improve my value and, and set myself up for the future, whether that's here or somewhere else. Uh, we'll see, but I'm just trying to play my best hockey, and that'll help me out later on. Yeah, I mean, I signed there for a reason. I think uh, I thought uh, that this would be a good fit for me uh, to kind of find my game and, and help myself out, and I think uh, that's been the case. I think uh, early on, uh I mean, yeah, I hope it would, it would be like this, and I'm certainly happy. And I think it, it filled all my all my hopes and expectations. So uh, just trying to improve even more. You try to look at the at the process and at the – I don't think it feels like we played bad in those four games, especially. I feel like we played worse uh, during stretches. So, so that's encouraging. But, yeah, sooner or later you have to turn that around into some wins. So that's what we're trying to focus on. But also – 
we all know the standings and everything. Uh, we all know that we got to win to, to kind of buy ourselves a playoff spot here. So that's what we're just trying to do. But I, I don't feel like there's any panic at all uh, at this point. We're just trying to focus on our game. And, and then if we can prove a little areas, we're, we're going to it's going to show off in, in some points there. So whether it's him or uh, Soderberg or perhaps, you know, a veteran defenseman here, uh, I think Stan Bowman is committed to looking at the big picture here, no matter where the Blackhawks are in the standings. And if he can get himself a high draft pick for some of these these guys, uh, all the more power to him. And it doesn't mean you can't go out and re-sign him at TSEN, Mark, in free agency if, if he goes that route, uh, provided he is sent elsewhere. But uh, he's been one of the highlight pickups uh, from what Stan was able to do last offseason. And you weren't sure based on Yanmark's, you know, production over the last handful of seasons in Dallas and whether to believe him that there was more offense there in his game. But uh, he, he certainly he certainly proven that has been really a, a great pickup, a guy you can move up and down the lineup. A lot of good references in Scott Powers' piece on the Athletic about it, but he mentioned how. I mean, Matthias Janmark already with 10 goals. That's more than he had last year and the year before that. And it's almost more than both those two years combined. Yeah. So uh, a great little resurgence this season for the Blackhawks. He's been an excellent at center position. So I, I don't know. If I'm Stan Bowman, I, I do still love the idea of this team being able to make the playoffs. I think it would be a great experience for this whole young crew. But I, I also think you can't really miss out on an opportunity. So... Um, I, I think either way, it's it's kind of a win because already obtaining Matthias Janmark has has done such good things for this team. Um, so it'll be interesting, and that's a tough decision. But um, you know, I, I think in the long run, you just got to look for the positives for the long run of this team. And uh, I think the fact that what Janmark has already done this year is has already proved to be a positive for the team. Speaking of uh, additions down the stretch, um, uh, you have to figure Kirby Dock is is going to be one of those for the Blackhawks. The question is when. So when we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago as the Blackhawks embarked on this road trip, he hit the ice for the first time with his teammates, non-contact, um, and then ended up traveling with the team, continuing practices with them. This was our first look since two weeks ago to see what Kirby was able to do. And as we said, this was a real crisp practice on Monday. I don't think there was any, there was not any real full ice five on five play. It was about working to get the puck through the zone. There was a lot of two on two, three on three odd man situations, but Kirby wasn't protected at all. And, um, you know, Jeremy Carlton was asked afterwards whether it was, uh, Full contact, whether he's ready for full contact, he didn't necessarily sign off on that. But it didn't appear as though there were any limitations to what Kirby could do with what the Blackhawks were doing on Monday. In the end, still no timetable, according to Jeremy. This is a six-game homestand. He was asked about the possibility of him returning sometime before this homestand is over. He wouldn't commit to that. But uh, it's certainly looking closer and closer. And uh, I, I guess we have to find out whether even before the calendar flips to April, whether we might be able to see Kirby back e- either then or shortly thereafter. And it's cause for a lot of excitement, um, you know, to, to add a little bit of a shot in the arm after Dylan Strome returned on that trip in the uh, in the two games in Tampa. Looked really good on Thursday. You know, uh, like everyone else, kind of struggled a bit once again on Saturday. But those are, are two guys to add to the lineup, whether you're wheeling and dealing with other teams at the trade deadline uh, for some of your players, that uh, you, you know is a sign of encouragement for the Blackhawks are moving forward. We said the last podcast that it'd be like a trade acquisition if uh, Doc comes back sooner than expected. 
Uh, but, I mean, keep in mind, this year was supposed to be the sophomore season of Kirby Doc, where Blackhawks fans get to see how he develops for another year before the Hawks went on this run and everyone started talking about how they had overperformed. So that alone is something to look forward to for whenever he does come back. And it, it's just kind of cool how it's all just happened. It's like, oh, Kirby Doc is back in the ice. And, oh, Kirby Doc is, you know, skating at full potential and everything. And <laughs> it's just kind of kind of quickly grown on its own so uh and and you just got to be excited for the guy too because this is a guy that that works his tail off non-stop and and just wants to keep excelling as an NHLer a young NHLer so um yeah I mean you'd really like to see him get in the swing of things while this team still has a shot for the playoffs and see what he can bring to the table so hopefully it does come sooner than later I know Jeremy Colleton was talking about him you know maybe not uh, taking as many face-offs, and I know he wasn't doing that as much last year anyway, mm-hmm, but right. you know, easing his way in. So they're clearly being smart about it. And uh, you know, I don't think they, it would have gotten to this point if they're not being in- incredibly smart about it and incredibly cautious about it, um, because the last thing you want to do is is rush pretty much your youngest prospect um, up and, and put him at danger in anything health-wise. So uh, everything is just uh, very... Very positive about that situation. So let's uh, let's uh, as we wind up here, circle back to a point you brought up a little bit earlier with the importance of this homestand coming up and the importance of a bounce back. Now, up until this last road trip, we were all having our cake and eating it too. It was a rebuilding year. Young players were getting a ton of ice time. They're performing well, and now there's been kind of this. I'm not sure if I can characterize it as a wall as much as you know finding out who the big boys on the block are <laughs> going up against speed them. Bumps. It's a couple yeah. of speed bumps. Yeah, so this homestand, to Florida, to Nashville, to Carolina, and then you go on out to Nashville for a single game. That second game was moved a little bit further down the schedule, and then you come home and play Dallas a couple of uh, games. So eight of the next nine, when you add that all up, and then following that, you have trips to Columbus and Detroit. So if you're going to get back on track, now is the time. Because as as you very uh, wisely brought up here, when you look at the last, what, two weeks of the season, things have been rescheduled a little bit due to that Carolina postponement. But um, once you get done with Nashville on April 21st and 23rd here in Chicago, those are the first two games of a five-game homestand that wind up with one against Tampa, two against Florida, then you go to Carolina for three games, and then you close out the regular season back-to-backs at home against Dallas, which, if you have continued to contend for that fourth playoff position in the Central Division, uh, who knows? It, it could even come down to those last two home games at the United Center, but it's going to be vital for them to find a way to bounce back at least decently. I'm not going to ask you, uh, like I did against Tampa Bay, for your exact prediction for this homestand. But let's just suffice to say, uh, finding a way to bounce back here in these next six and eight of the next nine at home is going to be pretty, pretty important. And I think when you brought up earlier, too, I mean, even that Nashville series that's coming up after Florida, I mean, you cannot take that lightly whatsoever. Because even if you do well against Florida... You still need to keep it rolling, yeah. so you can't you can't take Nashville for lightly either. And I know I know Dallas hasn't put together the season that they'd like to at the moment, but they're still so behind with 
actually playing games. I'm still waiting for that team to kind of hit its surge once again. So pretty much the entire schedule for the Hawks is not very favorable, uh, aside from you know the few games that they have against the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, okay, if you sprinkle in four Nashville games, but but yeah, if there's a time to bounce back, it is right now because that last couple of weeks for the Hawks is just kind of dreadful. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean. If okay, let's say they bounce back. Let's say they coast through that middle chunk before the end of the season. I mean, yeah, then you get revved up against some really good talent and get set for the playoffs. But but that's a long ways away. So I, I think now is the time. And maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's what this team is realizing right now. Maybe that's why you know Jeremy Colleton was just kind of a a uh, disappointed dad in the press conference today. <laughs> he just you know he, he's he's still proud of his team, but it, it's just, Monday. Yeah, yeah, they're just. <laughs> little disappointed right now what's going on but um you know i still think that this team is capable of it just because of what they were able to piece together for the first couple of months but it's not going to be easy and uh, i think that's that's the biggest thing that blackhawks fans need to realize is that you know it's it's not just a results-based product the structure is there the game plan is there things need to be tweaked and uh you know hopefully they can continue buying in and continue rolling with it because Again, that last stretch of the season is is going to be very, very, very tough. And if you're going to be battling uphill against those teams, I mean, just with the added pressure and a, a young roster already, that's going to be incredibly tough. So, uh, it's a couple of really important weeks and homestands coming up for the for the Blackhawks. Yeah, basically, you just look at March 23rd on Tuesday all the way through April 23rd. That's 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 your window to get back on track to. You know, try and get back in that fourth position with with the opponents that you have either at home or the caliber of opponents on the road or the ones that you're in the mix with that you have to beat because those uh, last, uh, yeah, nine games of the season. Is it nine? Yeah, uh, last uh, eight games. Three against Carolina, two against Florida, one against Tampa Bay, and then the back-to-back at home against Dallas. Um once again, it's that it's that little journey of ten days against the three teams that are on top of the division that you have to find a way to battle it out with if you can get yourself in position here. So uh, you don't want to you don't want to give me a uh, a record for the six game homestand. No, 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 no. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to. I'm again. I'm going to George Costanza. It. I'm going to quit while I was ahead. And there, you know, the Hawks were hot at the time. And it just seemed kind of like a favorable pick, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave on top. Maybe the podcast has a, has a, has a. Has <laughs> he's a done enough talking for, for today. <laughs> yes. he's, he's been incorporated. He's been active. Enough. He's been yes. very active. So, uh, and uh, we appreciate you checking out uh, this Blackhawks seven twenty podcast. We'll come at you again a week uh, from now after the Blackhawks play the first uh, four games of the six game homestand. They'll have a little bit of a, a one day break there between the Sunday game against Nashville and then coming back against Carolina on Tuesday. So we'll give you another podcast coming up. Uh, uh, next Monday, and uh, we'll see how they fare in these uh, in these next four, and see if they can get back on track. So, uh, before we sign off, uh, UIC baseball. Yeah, how how are we doing with that? The play by play, Kane County around the corner. Yeah, are we looking at that. Yeah, yeah, Kane County will start on May 18th against the Chicago Dogs, and uh, you still got a ways to go. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little little bit of a wait, but uh, yeah, UIC baseball is doing okay. They're uh, 
you know, offense a little bit slow to start, but that's expected in the cold weather climate. And like softball Chicago. as well, right? Softball as well, yeah. And, thought uh, I was going to have two games on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Turns out uh, those games were not on the schedule to be broadcasted, to my dismay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a nice little off day that I didn't know I'd have. Joe also does UIC curling and tiddlywinks <laughs> as well. So I'm, I'm uh, hoping that they hands. could bring that into the picture. Maybe some professional darts, too. I'd, I'd be happy to, to do that, too. Uh, we're open for business. Uh, the jack of all trades, and he does them all well, Joe Brand. So we want to also thank him and Ernie Scatton for getting us started on the podcast. Our producer, Curtis Koch, as well. Subscribe if you haven't already. That way, this podcast will be ready for you as soon as it's done cooking, done marinating. But uh, you can also follow along through WGNRadio.com, their Twitter account. Uh, which is at WGN Radio, myself at Bowden Tweets, and Joe at at Joe underscore brand one. So for the entire game, gang, and the uh, podcast, Chris Bowden signing off, and we'll talk to you next week on the Blackhawks 720 podcast. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks 720 podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great.